It's Friday night, and the mood is right, 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 right gonna right, have some right, fun, right, show you how fun, it's fun, done, fun, 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 All right, welcome to week 83 of the Two Guys in a Friday's podcast. My name is Steven. That over there is Travis. Hey, Steve, I heard that your hotel is really trying to start some, some beef over a uh, a luggage cart. Yeah, apparently they're not with you. Or at least I don't think it's I mean, with you. It might, they, it might I be. I think they you. think it could be me. I got a letter under my door today saying that uh, the hotel luggage cart is missing, and they're going to be inspecting my room to see if I have it. That I mean, you got to get those luggage carts aren't cheap. They were just in my room two days ago to check and make sure that the toilet and the refrigerator still work. There's, you're giving off vibes. Apparently. You're giving off vibes. But the thing is, I walk down the hallway. It's something about my floor, I think, because I walk down the hallway and I see these letters like hanging out from underneath the door on every single door in my hallway for some reason. Is there a convention going on? Is there some kind of like group that is also on your floor that is made, or is it just all adjusters? Know. No, there's a lot of military guys like in like their fatigues or whatever. Nah, I don't know probably like them. National Guard people. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. But uh, yeah, uh, hey, we're a TGIF podcast. And uh, today we've got a little bit of a different uh, episode. We told you last week we didn't know what we were going to do, but uh, we figured it out, right? <laughs> we did figure it out. Yeah, all the shows were on reruns this week. Uh, it would have been April 19th, 1991. Everything was on reruns, so we have done something different. Yep. Uh, we'll get into that in just a second, but uh, like we do every episode, uh, first, uh, thank you to Augustina for the theme song. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Augustina. Another good um, one. You can uh, send in your own version of the theme song. Just uh, shoot us an email, tgifcast at gmail.com. You can also follow us on all social media at tgifcast. Uh, looking back at what happened in 1991, 30 years ago, not a lot of big news stories, but um, something that caught my eye, there were some records broken in the NBA as far as assists go. So um, first, Magic Johnson broke the uh, record for all-time assists, which has been broken since then. Uh, okay. He set the record, though, 9,898 career assists. And that was, like, not at the very end of his career. So he tacked on more assists on top of that. But that, that was April 15th, 1991. As a non-sports guy, I want to ask you a question. Yep. Does an assist is only an assist if it is followed by a point, correct? Like you can't correct. Yeah, not just, just a shot, but like it, it would just be a pass if it was not scored. Well, okay, if it's not so, like if I if I pass to you and you shoot and you miss, it's just a pass, not an assist. Yep, yep, yep. You got okay, it. all right, all right. Just trying to get that wrapping my head around how many points that means that Magic Johnson was a part of that he didn't even shoot. So, so that was April fifteenth, um, and then April, or is it eighteenth? Let me make sure I get this date right. Where'd you go, John Stockton? Because uh, he was also putting up some assists that year. I was, uh, that's, the, that's who I thought you were going to say initially. April 18th, 1991, just a few days later, John Stockton breaks his own NBA season assist record of 1,136. So think about that. So John Stockton's getting a, a, over 1,000 assists in one season but Magic Johnson has the all-time of just like nine thousand eight hundred. So that would so mean do we know if John Stockton played nine seasons, he would beat his record. Do we know where who has the number one? I I know now because I just googled it. Number one you, of who, all time, John, all time. John Stockton fifteen thousand eight hundred and six assists. Do you have the rest of the list? Do you, do you can you see the yeah, other yeah. one behind? Yeah, so it? only the the only current player. Well, I guess there's two in the top ten. Uh, Chris Paul is at number six. He's got just over ten thousand. 
and then uh, LeBron James at number eight with uh, like 9,000, which is weird then, because LeBron's not even a point guard. LeBron's a forward. So that's crazy that he's that high up there. And your your favorite player is at number three of all time. Steve Nash right there. Steve Nash coming in. Magic Johnson ended his career at fifth. Well, I don't know if that's where he was when his career ended, but he is now fifth uh, all time yeah. at 10,000. He only it looks like he only got a few more before he retired. Well, Jason Kidd's at two, Steve Nash at three, so they both passed Magic Johnson after he was probably at four. I'm not sure when Mark Jackson played, but uh, I don't know who that is. But he was probably cool. he was probably at two or three when he ended his career. It's a lot of basketball talk for a yeah. TGIF podcast. So, uh, what about movies and music? What was number one this week? Yeah, so all new everything. Um, the number one song is now "I've Been Thinking About You" by London Beat, and you would definitely recognize that song. You okay. probably wouldn't realize it's by them, but it's. I've been thinking about. I don't. I've done that. That was an awful. I've been thinking. You would recognize it. It's like I know the song. Yeah, yeah. That's it. Yeah, you got it. That was it. That was it. You got it. Um, Number one movie is Out for Justice. Steven Seagal. Uh, I have it on the schedule. We're recording this earlier than we normally record episodes, uh, but I have that on the schedule to watch tonight, so I can't give you any feedback. Although I will say, I I do not like Steven Seagal. Yeah, I know. You've talked about that. That's too bad because. it's it's not too bad because he's not a good actor it's he doesn't need to be a good actor he's he's not a good look i'm gonna say roles the action is perfect i'm gonna say completely ignorant thing okay (laughs) excuse me his martial arts looks awful um which is probably the the complete opposite of the truth i'm sure that he could go and hold his own against the crazy like some crazy people but it's slow I, right like that's the thing like he, he, it's not even that's not even the thing the thing it just looks it yeah. looks unrealistic and unbelievable and ineffective in the movies okay but that again is me saying something that i have do not have the knowledge to support so i'm just gonna put that out there fair enough uh, uh that's it though no birthday is nothing else but i'll watch out of justice or out for justice tonight and we can talk about it next uh, week if it's number one we can talk about it next week if it's not and, and, uh, spoiler alert it is okay so i we'll talk about it next week okay sounds good all right so we mentioned it already uh not your normal episode this week instead we brought a uh, special guest on the show directly from baby talk you might know him as dr elliot we know him as tom allen robbins tom and this is a great what? Like, what? oh we're going right here i'm sorry i mean i was go ahead he's, I was he's on there he's great... waiting right now He's waiting right out. It's a great week to have you on because we just finished watching the episode last week where it, you were the star. So right. can I bring him on? Bring him on. Tom, thanks for coming on. How you doing? Great. Hey, hey, how, how are you? you? I'm good. My video's a little rosy. I don't know what to do about that. I've got a lot of <laughs> got a lot of sunlight coming I was in. Say, it's all that beautiful sun outside. That's right. Well, it is. Actually, it's a beautiful day here. Not here. <laughs> where are you guys? Travis is in Virginia. I'm in Virginia and it's temperature wise. It's good. It's a little overcast. Okay. And where are you? I'm normally in Virginia, but uh, for work right now, I am in Dallas, Texas, and uh, they've got a big storm coming through. So it's good. Uh, what, do you, what do you do for work? Insurance. Yeah. Ah, yeah. They, cool. had, and you're... they had that big uh, winter storm with all the uh, freezing and everything. So I'm still out oh, here. Man. I've, I've been out here over a month. Oh my God. Yeah. Wow. Travis, what about you? What do you do when you're not podcasting? I, uh, I also work in insurance, but I do insurance for a bank, uh, manage their third-party risk. So Neat. Yeah, I guess. It, it is what it is. It's neat for me. <laughs> so I, I got to ask about this podcast. So is this the is the podcast always like about t- TV that was 30 years ago on this date? Is that? 
Yeah, yeah. I'm glad you asked. Uh, so what we do, it, well, Travis and I decided one day that we were just going to watch all of TGIF exactly as it aired 30 years ago. So every week oh, we man. do this podcast, we rewatch whatever happened to air 30 years ago that Friday, and then we talk about it. So that's that's hilarious. Yeah. So it's right, a great, it's a great idea. So it right right now, 30 years ago, it was uh, Full House, Family Matters, Perfect Strangers, and Baby Talk. Those were the four shows. Uh, that was a very different world. <laughs> And uh, we, we thought this was the perfect time to bring you on, not only because Baby Talk was on the air at this time, but also because your character had a big role actually last week on the show that we talked about. This was the part in the show where um, Dr. Elliot uh, was pretending to be Maggie's husband. Right. And uh, right, right. it was a big episode. Yeah, I know. That, that was my big episode. Yeah. I know. <laughs> Yeah, we, we were like, I mean, we have tons of questions about that because, I mean, this is the first time we've watched Baby Talk. We didn't watch it 30 years ago. We were neither did anybody else. That was the problem. <laughs> you got two seasons, though, which is more than a lot of TGI. Well, can say. we we did and we didn't because the second True. season was a whole different cast. I was actually the only person from our original cast to come back for the very first episode of the new season because it was my job. <laughs> To like tell Maggie like that that I was recommending a new pediatrician in her new neighborhood as she like walked out the door and walked out uh, of my life forever, and that was that for me. But eh. yeah, yeah, I was I was just yeah. mentioning to Steve before we started. I said, you know, he's the only person besides Tony Danza and and the twins that played the baby that made it to season two. So yeah, you can wear that badge. It was a great honor. <laughs> it's weird asking you about some of these uh, episodes of the show because we've only watched through like episode seven. So it's like, oh, no, don't tell us what happens. We don't want to be spoiled. But like at the same time, yeah. it's like this episode that just aired, like we were talking about, it's your character seemed like, all right, maybe they're going to bring him in as like the love interest for Maggie or something like maybe this is going to work out. But yeah, you know, I, I think they there perhaps was some thought of that. You know, the. Some of the writers, uh, Alan Kirschenbaum and Phil Rosenthal, uh, after the news came that we were not going to be continuing with it, they they asked me to like go have lunch with them, and they told me that when I was hired originally, um, they just thought I was uh, going to be like a a utility character that they wouldn't use much, uh, but was handy to have to have like another venue, the doctor's office. And that through the season, they kept coming up with ideas to use Dr. Fleischer. And my part started like actually uh, growing, uh, which I just thought, oh, this is great. You know, yeah. this makes perfect sense. But they really didn't expect it. So uh, when this when they wrote this episode, that was a big thing for me. Um, but I mean, I, I might as well tell you, it, it, it did not turn into no. a big love thing between. No, I'm sorry. I wanted it to. I mean, you were fighting no. with George Clooney for a little bit in the beginning, I guess. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> well, it's a, tough, it's a tough spot, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's that's some competition. But so we're going to definitely talk more about baby talk. But I kind of want to get into like how you got into acting and eventually getting the role in this show. Like I know we read that you went to Juilliard and stuff like that. But yeah. obviously it had to start before that. Right. Uh, before Juilliard. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, you know, I did. I did high school theater yeah. like everybody else and summer theater. But um, when I left high school, I didn't think I was going to be an actor. I went to Cornell and I thought I was going to be a dentist. Oh, 
um, and an orthodontist specifically. But when it when it came time to sign up for classes and I realized I had to take things like organic chemistry, <laughs> I went, oh, I think I've made a huge mistake. Right. So sounds, uh, my first year sounds just like my college career. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I, I instead I did a pivot and I signed up for uh, things like creative writing, acting 101, uh, physics for poets. Um, and I had to take French and I very soon realized that, uh, this was, I, you know, Cornell was not the place for me. And that's when I auditioned for Juilliard. Uh, so, you know, it was, I, I set out in one direction and thank goodness I realized my mistake, you know, pretty quickly and course corrected. Well, the good thing is you were able to draw on some of that medical knowledge for your short time at Cornell. <laughs> that's, later, that's absolutely later true. So, yeah, that, that's what got you the role, right? No, no. <laughs> I don't. Frankly, I don't know what got me the role. I I was a New York actor. I'd never really done TV. Um, and uh, when I got this audition, I certainly never expected anything to come from it. And I don't think in the normal course of events, anything would have come of it. But the fact that it was Ed Weinberger, who was immensely powerful because he was one of the creators of Taxi and The Cosby Show, um, and he basically could do what he wanted. I didn't have to go through the normal sort of network approval um, that you usually do with sitcoms. There was something in my audition that that Ed liked and he didn't really need anybody else's approval. Uh, and that's really uh, how I how I got the role. Um, I mean, you can't ask for anything easier than that, right? Like uh, no, no, it was it was an aberration, which has been borne out by the fact that I've barely done any TV since Baby Talk. I'm uh, I've pretty much been working on in this uh, on the stage for my whole career. Yeah. I mean, so you're 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 based in New York and the show is, mm -hmm. takes place in New York. And most of the TGIF stuff was shot on the West Coast. But was this all shot all of on, it. in New York? Yeah. No, was this it was shot all, no, it was all shot on the West Coast. It was all, this was shot in L.A. too. Yeah. Okay. yeah. I went out and I, I rented uh, a little apartment that happened to be owned by my friend Frances Conroy and she wasn't using it. So uh, I stayed there. My wife was back in New York and uh, we were about to have our our for our first and only child, my daughter, Mary Rose. Uh, and I just stayed out there for it took us about six months, I think. And I was I shot 10 of the 12 episodes that we did. Mm -hmm. And then I went home to New York and we had our baby. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, it was a little a little vacation for me. Talk a little nice. bit about your uh, your theater career, because I read like I mean, you've won like awards for writing and stuff like that. I mean, that that's, yeah. that's the biggest part of your life, it seems like. Right. Well, actually, they've sort of coexisted. Um, and being out in L.A. was actually when I first started seriously trying to write, because um, you have a lot of time in the in L.A. when you're trying to work in TV. You have a lot of time when you're doing nothing, because even if you get a job, it takes a week and then you're back sitting at home. So I was trying to write uh, sample sitcom scripts is what everybody does. Okay. Um, and actually, by the time I left L.A., I had actually managed to sell a script. Um, oh, no. Well, no, I had already left L.A. by the time. But I did manage to sell one of the scripts I had written out there to Coach, which at that time was being run by Alan Kirschenbaum, who was uh, one of the head writers of uh, Baby Talk. So that was sort of the beginning of my writing career. But I've actually always thought of myself more as an actor. Uh, I've done eight Broadway shows. Um, I created the role of Pumbaa in The Lion King on Broadway. 
Um, when the pandemic hit, I was playing Mushnik in the off-Broadway revival of Little Shop of Horrors yeah, with nice. Jonathan Groff and Christian Borrell and uh, Tammy Blanchard. Um, so the writing has sort of had to fit itself in around the acting. Uh-huh. But in the, in the really in the last 10 years or so, I've gotten serious about um, my writing more. And actually, I've got a play that one of the plays that won an award, it won the 2019 New Works of Merit Award called Muse, is about to be presented on, uh, let's see, I wrote it down, April 21st by the acting company. Um, they did a, a beautiful Zoom recording of it with Dakin Matthews and Helen Cespedes. And it premieres on, I'm plugging, look at me no, plug. perfect. Plug away, plug the, away. The actingcompanyevents.org is the website. And on uh, 7.30 p.m. on April 21st, it's gonna premiere. Um, and I've also written a series of um, audio plays that I'm calling the, the Twits plays. Uh, that's a it's a mashup of P.G. Wodehouse and steampunk. And those are going to be recorded for the Broadway Podcast Network. Uh, we're starting recording at the end of this month. Um, there's four full full length audio scripts, and that's going to star Michael Yuri and Christian Borrell, um, Mary Testa, who's been nominated for a bunch of Tony Awards. Uh, it's got a fantastic cast. And so, yeah, I mean. Acting, writing, I don't. I love them both, yeah. uh, and I want to keep doing them both. Um, and what the hell, I'll rest when I'm dead, <laughs> which is growing closer by the year. For all of us. Yeah. Tell us a little about uh, the whole Pumbaa thing with Lion King. Like, how did that come about? That was fantastic. I, you know, Julie Taymor, who's absolutely a genius, she had to do a reading, uh, a presentation of The Lion King for the heads of Disney because they weren't convinced that The Lion King could be put on stage. So she, um, she, they, they, they set up a workshop for her. She hired a bunch of artisans and they built a bunch of the puppets that ended up in the show. They built right. the Pumbaa puppet. They built the Timon puppet, the Zazu puppet. They were absolutely done and finished and beautiful. And uh, she hired a bunch of actors. And I, I don't know how I got the job playing Puma in this reading. I think just because I could do something like Ernie Sabella's voice from the movie without bleeding from the throat. Um, so she let me do that first reading. And from that reading, that was really my audition because they kept bringing me back for future readings and eventually cast me in the show. Um, I came very close to missing out on it because um, it there was a long period before Disney committed to doing it. And I got cast in Once Upon a Mattress on Broadway. Uh, and they did not want the director, who was a dear friend, Jerry Gutierrez, who's since passed away, um, did not want to let me go when they offered me The Lion King. And weeks went by and The Lion King kept saying, we need an answer. And Jerry kept saying, I don't want to let him go. And the, even the producers of Once Upon a Mattress said, you got to let him go. And he said, I don't want to let him go. And finally, at the last possible moment, just before Disney said, if we don't hear this week, we have to move on. He finally let me out. So that's the story. I then went on to play that part for 13 years. Wow. Yeah. In a 50 pound puppet. And I, I lost a lot of cartilage in those years, <laughs> but I put my daughter through college and that was, so, yeah. that was worth it. We just showed our, our child the uh, the movie for the first time. So he's falling uh, in love with that era. It's beautiful, it's, right? It's the best Disney cartoon they've ever made. 
And I have to say, if you are ever able to to bring your child to New York uh, after when the theaters reopen, the the Lion King on stage, very different from the animated film, sure. but just beautiful. And it's still in terrific shape that Disney has really worked very hard to keep that show in, in great shape. And it's it's really worth seeing. Yeah, it's on the list. It looks magnificent. I mean, the, yeah. like you said, the puppets are just gorgeous and the way that it's presented is incredible. Yeah, so. it's just beautiful. You want to talk baby talk now? <laughs> sure. I don't know how much I remember. That yeah. was 30 years ago. 30 after years all. ago. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's a long unbelievable. time ago. Um, yeah. Well, you, were, you had a good question, Travis, that you were going to ask. So I just had kind of the first thing that comes to my mind when I watch this show is logistics. So obviously, Tony Danza and, and Mickey, the, the dialogue is not present when you're when you're shooting these scenes. So how does how does that work? How, how do you shoot the scenes with that kind of dialogue? Is, is Tony Danza sitting off stage? reading no. a script or no. he's no, not there anymore. absolutely not no he's not he's not he did his stuff in a studio separately and i didn't even meet tony Danza until we uh were almost uh done shooting right he came to the set one day and, and said hi to everybody um i'm trying to remember if they had i think they must have had someone just saying read the baby's lines uh, i don't think that we just like left empty space and just assumed that it would be filled. Mm -hmm. um, it's funny. I can't actually remember how that was done, but I, but that's what my recollection is that he probably, they just had someone read the lines and we just, you know, pretended that it was Tony Van Danza's voice. And then he filled it in later. Did they just have a camera rolling constantly on the, the twins just to capture footage that they would, they would later cut in as the reactions so that they would because like obviously you can only do so much with a with a child of that age but i mean is yeah logistically well, was, yeah i i think basically they did have one camera that was devoted to just being on the baby right. um so yeah uh they they depended on you know finding a moment that the baby's facial expression seemed appropriate right most of your scenes yeah. were uh, in the doctor's office, obviously. Um, yeah. Are you interacting with the other actors where they aren't coming to the doctor's office? Like, are you seeing all these other actors doing their scenes or are they it, it differently? Well, yeah. I mean, we were in a, a big studio and the oh. sets were all right next to each other um, and the dressing rooms were in the same building. So, yeah, I mean, I was seeing everybody and we'd hang out and meet <laughs> the craft service table. Oh, yeah. Um, Lenny Wolpe, who's also uh, a theater actor like me, uh, we we became good friends. Um, Bill Hickey was a very interesting fellow. Uh, we all had a lot of respect for him. He was considered a, one of the great acting teachers, uh, but a very eccentric individual. So I can't say that we we hung out, but it was always fun to be around him and and you know hear what he had to say. Um, uh, George Clooney couldn't have been a nicer fellow, but we didn't have a lot of interaction. Yeah. Um, uh, and uh, the same with Julia Duffy. You know, mm -hmm. she she was obviously very busy. She had a lot more to do than anybody else. And there was not a lot of hang time. But, uh, yeah, we were all we were all there in the same spot. Um, lost my train of thought real quick. Um, so. If you can fill me in, Travis, I apologize. That's fine. I've got, I got plenty of questions. Yeah, yeah, go for save it. him, Travis. I'll save you. I got you, Steve. So uh, around the show, I mean, TGIF at the time was was really hitting its peak. We, you know, you had full full scale Urkel going on. Full House was it was at its peak. Did did you realize at the time what that meant? What TGIF was and that what you were a part of? Was that something that you were aware of while making the show? We certainly were aware that we had an excellent time slot, mm -hmm. um, and that. 
um, you know, it was, they were trying to make it a, a high profile show. And we all, because of Ed Weinberger, and we all respected that. And we were, we were excited about it. Um, it made it all the more disappointing that the show ultimately didn't become right. the kind of hit that, you know, everybody wanted it to be. Right. Was that when, I guess when you transitioned into that second season, was that, was that kind of a, a difficult position coming in in that single episode or was, is that just part of the, part of the job coming well, in? That's part of the job. It, yeah. And yeah, I mean, obviously it was bittersweet sure. because, uh, you know, I, I, I loved my character and I loved, he had a nice arc in that first season. Um, and the scene of me saying goodbye, I, I found it on YouTube and watched it uh, the other day when I knew I was going to do this. And really, you know, I didn't get a chance to, um, to, to, to refer to any of the romantic feelings I had for that character. It was a new actress and I just basically had to like cut and dried, tell her that she'd love the new pediatrician. He was great and uh, good luck in your new place. And off she went. So it, it was, it was not as satisfying as it, it could have been, but at right. least I, I got to be there in the second season, which was nice. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I I really appreciated your characters up to so far because you're the you're you're pretty much the only sane person in the entire show. You're you always <laughs> found you always found the place the the space to ground the rest of the characters when when Maggie was being a bit neurotic and when the guys were just being the guys. So I really appreciated your character, and that's why this last episode that we watched with the you pretending to be married to Maggie, I was like, this is such a departure from who we've seen him be so far. So I'm curious, like, like Steve said, we've only seen the first seven episodes. I'm curious to see how the rest of your arc plays out. Cause I, I mean, you are a grounding character, which is always kind of one of my favorite people to look to in, in these kind of sitcoms. Yeah. Well, the, the romantic aspect was there from the pilot. I, I remember it well. Um, and I don't know. I think they thought it was something they could, they could use when they needed it. Mm -hmm. um, but it's, you know, could, could recede when they didn't need it. Sure. Um, and it, it, it sort of got, it started to, to build a little bit. And the episode that you just saw was, was sort of the peak of that arc. Um, but you know, it, it, it never really goes away for me. Right. And now, so and in the pilot, there was an, another woman that played the Maggie character. Connie correct? Selica. Connie Selica. So you actually got to work with all three of the That's Maggie true. I did. Characters. Okay. Yeah. What, and they, and they big, were all great. Yeah. Were there, were there any big differences between, because we've never seen the pilot. The pilot, I mean, it was hard enough for us to find the regular episodes um, on the internet, but we, we haven't seen the pilot. Were there any significant changes from the pilot to the to what we see in broadcast? Not in the that, writing of it, no. I mean, no. it was okay. basically the same episode. Gotcha. Um, and, you know, they were, they were both really talented actresses. I mean, um, I would say that uh, Julia Duffy had a more acerbic edge to her, uh, which she brought from the Newhart show that she was on that she won multiple Emmys for. Um, and Connie Selica was uh, 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 sort of a, a more, um, well, I don't know what the word is, but she, <laughs> she, she was, uh, she was a, a sweeter uh, Maggie um, and less acerbic. Um, and I thought, I thought they both worked. They were both very talented, um, you know, just, was what it was was what it was you, yeah. you started to kind of get into it but i was wondering like um did you kind of have like a vision of where you wanted your character to go if it was continued on oh sure 
I mean, obviously, I love the the romantic aspect of it, and uh, I I just would have wanted to keep going in that direction. Um, I don't know if it if it ever would have happened or not, but uh, yeah, I mean, the, the episode that you saw, I, I would have loved more of that, more of Elliot, do, you know, desperately trying to insert himself. <laughs> Into Maggie's life, uh, into Mickey's life. I don't know. He, he got uh, that like lying addiction at that point too, though. So yeah, that, that could have yeah. been a problem. See, yeah. I thought yeah. Maggie. I thought Maggie was so cruel to you in that episode. You sit there and you you finally work up the nerve to ask her on a date, and not only does she say no, but she says no. Well, why don't you use those feelings and pretend to be my husband for for the next twenty four hours? I thought it was it was so out of character for her to to the 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 rejection was horrible. It broke my heart. It broke my heart. Yeah, I mean this things like that may have been part part of the part of the problem with the with the, <laughs> why the show you know ultimately didn't connect with Good people job, yeah. because. Um, just little things like that. I mean, there was a way to do it. I think that could have been a little more uh, nuanced uh, in terms of of her feelings for me. My feelings for her were pretty pretty black and white. Sure. But um, yeah, they just they just kept having her reject me pretty pretty out of hand. And um, I'm I'm sorry that they didn't let her have a little more ambivalence in her feelings toward me. I think it would have been fun. Well, what we can what we can pretend moving forward is that whenever she goes to the doctor in one of her neurotic moments, it's really just to see you and not because she's worried about the health and well-being of the Yeah, child. let's pretend that. Let's 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 think that, that <laughs> that's is good. that's in fact the case. So you know I, I used to I it's funny to talk about the my, the two sides of of my career, the acting and the writing, because I secretly always wished that instead of being on the stage with the actors, that I was in the writer's room with the writers. Sure. And as a matter of fact, those those poor writers would be writing until three in the morning a lot of nights. Mm. And I used to finish the day of shooting, go home, have dinner, bake cookies, and drive back to the studio and bring them to the writers at like midnight. Oh, wow. And they were still in there writing away. And I always sort of secretly hope that they'd say, Tom, why don't you come on in and give us some of your ideas? <laughs> yeah, you got, any, you got any ideas? But they never did. But, you know, later on, when I did seriously start writing TV scripts, those guys were so supportive of me. I, I They bought a, uh, Alan created a show called Down the Shore on Fox, and he bought a treatment from me that if the show had not been canceled, uh, would have turned into a, to a script that I would have gotten to write. Um, and as I say, he gave me a, a script to write for Coach and... Um, they were great to me. I really loved yeah. those writers. And that coach script eventually aired, correct? It did. Yeah. Was that exciting to see you it see was. work come to fruition? It was. And again, they were so kind to me because usually when when someone who's not on the writing staff writes a, a script, um, you know, they're basically not really invited to to be part of the process of making it. But they let me fly out to L.A. because I was doing a show in New York at the time. They let me fly out to L.A. They let me hang out in the writer's room while they were, you know, polishing it. They let me come to the shoot. They introduced me to uh, Craig Nelson and told him I was the I was like, you know, they they were the nicest bunch of people you can imagine. That's fun. When you're talking to like uh, friends or family and uh, the whole thing with like your acting and baby talk comes up, do you have any go to stories about like memories or anything on the set? Uh, I do not. No? And actually, it never comes up. It was 30 years ago. Yeah, but I mean, you were there for all those episodes and everything. I mean, that's a big part of your life. 
Yeah, it was. And 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 as I say, it was a unique experience for me. I, yeah. did, I haven't done a lot of television uh, and a wonderful experience. But um, I don't think anybody else that is a part of my life um, even remembers <laughs> that besides besides my wife, obviously, yeah. that, that I even did that show. So. Well, it, and it flies under the radar. But when you go back and you look at the cast and the writers and the people that were involved in that show, it was I don't know. I don't know what the impact of the, some of those people were then, but now in, con, in hindsight, it was an all-star uh, all-star yeah. group. It's it incredible. was uh, Phil Rosenthal who did who created Everybody Loves Raymond, and Alan who did Yes, Dear, and ran mm -hmm. Coach for a while. And Ed Weinberger obviously was considered a rock star at the time. Oliver Goldstick and Maxine Lapidus. I mean, they've all gone on to have great uh, writing careers right. and producing careers. Uh, I don't know what George Clooney is doing these days, but I always thought he was a talented young guy and I, I, I wish him well. All right. I did, so I was going to try to stay away from asking too much about your castmates, but we have one question that we know we'll never get to ask George Clooney. And you might be the only chance we get to get any kind of answer to this. So he's on like the first three episodes. He's one of the, yeah. you know, the main drivers of the first few episodes. And then he disappears for like six episodes, comes back for one episode at the end of season one. And that's it. What what do you know what the why he was had that hiatus for those middle episodes? Can do you, you know the truth is I don't, but I I'm going to say uh, maybe maybe deep in my subconscious I know the answer, but I think he might have had another project that he was committed okay. to um and had to take that time off. Um I know that um you know, he was the the main love interest and the second, uh, you know, lead on the show. And mm -hmm. I know they would not have intentionally have written him out of those episodes that early in right. the season if he didn't have to be uh, a gone for something else. Yeah. Yeah. And they never even explore really the love interest between him and Maggie. They, they kind of skirt around it for those episodes he's around. But in all those episodes, she's off with some other guy for the single episode before she circles back. Yeah, I think it, it I've puzzled over why with such an incredibly talented group of people that show never quite found itself. Mm. Um, and I, I think that's part of it is that the relationship between those two uh, never they never really found a way to get that to take off. And right. it might have been because, unfortunately, he had to be gone for those episodes and they had to find other storylines uh that you know didn't involve him and they never quite found a way then to to get those two to combust again so right right it, it may be something as simple as that i i don't know but it was it was a, a sad missed opportunity we all really wanted to, to succeed so badly yeah what can you yeah. do Hey, Tom, before we let you go, um, yeah. can you uh, plug the uh, Zoom thing again one more time? The uh, website of where people can watch that? Oh, yes. It's called Muse. And the group that's presenting it is The Acting Company. And the website is theactingcompanyevents.org. And it premieres April 21st at 730. Perfect. We're going to uh, put that in like the show notes. And anytime we post about the uh, episode as well, we'll make sure that we... Uh, Great. And also... Uh, at some point, I don't have a date, but the Broadway Podcast Network, which has a lot of great material anyway, uh, will be um, sometime in the next few months starting to put up my, uh, there are four at the moment, four four uh, seasons of the Twits plays. So you can keep your eyes out for that too. 
Cool. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, Tom, thank you so much for coming on. We really do appreciate it. Oh, it's been so much fun. Yeah. Yeah, it's been great. Reliving those 30 years ago, right? (laughs) Oh, those were those were glorious days where I had my own parking space right by the the sound stage, and I just drive a lot, pull to my spot. I had my dressing room, I had the craft service table. Those are happy times. (laughs) When you're working when you're working in Hollywood, it's just the the best job in the world. Gotta be a blast, I bet. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you, Tom. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Tom, again, thanks so much for coming on the show. We really do appreciate it. Yeah, it was a ton of fun. Um, And then make sure you're checking out his stuff. Like he said, April 21st, uh, theactingcompanyevents.org. You can check out that show. And then uh, he's got some stuff coming up on the uh, Broadway Podcast Network. Might be competing with us directly, but uh, we'll, we'll go ahead and plug that as well. That's okay. It's collaborative. Not You've got time to listen to two podcasts a week, right? Yeah, yeah, I listen yeah. to that a day. Yeah, so uh, go check both of those, us and that out, and uh, we will continue to bring you all of the Baby Talk guests that we can get on here for you. Yeah, we're I, we're still trying to get a hold of Clooney and his people. Um, we'll see what happens. It's not going to happen. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what's going on with him. I mean, we know we we know he listens every week, and we know he's he still exists. Um, so that's a thing. So anyways, next week, though, is a really, really exciting week because we have a new show. Is it going to be a whole week of 420 episodes? Because I don't know if I'm that excited about that. Was 420 a thing in 1991? Like, was I, that, I, don't, I feel like it had to have been. You right? think so? I don't know. I, I have no idea. But we have a new show next week, and I'm really excited. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That. A new show? We have a new show. A new show on TGIF starts next week. Oh, I, think, so, I think I know what you're going to say, but. Here's the lineup for next week. Okay. Uh, we have Full House, season yep. four, episode 25. I'm going to skip the new show. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to end with that. At the 8.30 slot, we have a new show. Nine o'clock, Family Matters, season two, so episode 24. Family Matters moving from 8.30 to nine o'clock. I don't think it's permanent. I think it's just temporary, okay. but you are correct. Family Matters moving from 8.30 to nine. 9.30 show, Perfect Strangers, season six, episode 23. No baby. And our new show, 8.30, kicking it off, Dinosaurs, yes. season one, I know episode you're one. I am excited. If you have Disney Plus, it is free on Disney Plus. I think it is still on Hulu as well. So you can watch on Hulu. So um, you have gone back somewhat recently and watched Dinosaurs. It was like three or four years ago, but yes, yes. And it is fantastic. I it is, have not watched Dinosaurs since 1991. Okay. It is a completely different experience. Watching it as an adult, there's so much context. Just as a child, you do not have the ability to understand and it is so much fun. I really hope that you, the listeners, will watch along with us. It's it's on the major streaming services. If you don't have that, it's like super cheap on Apple TV. It's totally worth it. Awesome. Um, so so that, that kicks off next week. We got five episodes in a row, which is the full run of season one. Uh, I think it is also worth noting that we are, we are wrapping up these uh, second seasons for a lot of our good shows, Full House, Family Matters, Perfect Strangers. Next week's episodes are second to last. So we have two more episodes of each. And uh, yeah, and that that's it. Um, I'm really excited about dinosaurs. Uh, I can't wait to. I'm excited for it as well. Cool. Um, thanks again, Augustina, for the theme song. Follow us on all social media at TGIFCast. Shoot us your emails, TGIFCast at gmail.com. And uh, next week might be my return to Virginia. It might actually happen. I hope so. I hope so. And honestly, we're getting kind of to a point where we might be able to start doing this in person again. Yeah. If I mean, that's if something you even want to do. vaccinated, right? I'm, I mean, I'm one week away from being fully vaccinated. Like you've gotten your second shot. You just have, you just incubation period, right? 
Right, right. I gotta get you. You gotta have that two weeks after before they are you're considered fully vaccinated. So, so maybe I'm getting there. Might be a month away. Yeah, we'll get there. We'll be there. All right, man. Anything else? I know you want to probably run and go and watch that first episode of Dinosaurs as soon as possible. Uh, but I was actually trying to figure out what was going down in my hotel room. There's someone's just like knocking on all the doors like really loud, and I hope it's not the. They're car looking for that. They're looking for the luggage cart, Steve. They're I think the they're just gonna cart. be breaking into rooms for this luggage cart. I don't know what these knocks are. Uh, Something's going on. You need. You got. You need to get out of there asap. Yeah. Get home. Good get up. home. All right, man. Be safe. Yep. Hide the luggage cart. Yep. Have a good week. You got it, dude. It's Friday night, and the mood is right, 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 right. Gonna right, have some right, fun, right, show you how it's fun, done, fun, 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 f